Well, good morning and uh, welcome to another teaching. It's Thursday morning here. What's today? March 19th, I think it is. We just got through with Bible study and uh, man, the guys did uh, the guys did really good. A couple of short stories. I was going to be out of town. I was out of town with my wife, May, and we were visiting my parents in Connecticut. And so I had asked them to diligently study Genesis 39 verses 1 to 10. And man, they just were, uh, they did really, really good. I mean, uh, uh, Stephen and Josh studied hard and, uh, and uh, harder than usual. And Jose studied very hard. And, uh, and I appreciate uh, all you guys. And the work you put in and the observations that, uh, that they found were, were sound and relevant. And so it was, uh, it, was, it was exceptional. The Lord blessed it. And then we, uh, this morning we kind of married my observations and theirs. And uh, so that'll be our teaching this morning in, uh, in Joseph. We're going to go uh, verses just uh, chapter 39 in Genesis verses 1 through 5 few testimonies. While I was out of town, I was, as I said, visiting my parents in Connecticut with my wife. And, uh, and we had wonderful ministry while we were there, just consistent divine appointments. Hopefully everyone's doing well. We have good friends, uh, Scott and Bobby and, uh, and your families. And uh, I appreciate you all. My, uh, my parents, mom and pop, we love you and appreciate you. Hopefully everyone's doing well. Uh, my boy Matthew, I always enjoy our time together. It's nice seeing you, Johnny and uh, Stephanie. Hopefully you're, uh, you're calling on Jesus more and more, sweetheart. So I was there for two days, and all of a sudden a massive filling fell out of my face. I have a tooth in the top right side of my mouth, and there's only about 30% of that tooth left or so, I guess. All the rest is filling. Man, I tell you, I'm blessed that I have some good dentists. Uh, the dentist in, uh, in Connecticut, I just found a dentist in town. His name is Dr. Maroon. And, uh, and man, he, uh, you know, I can't say enough about how, what a wonderful job he did. And, uh, and Miss Margaret, um, what a blessing it was and, and how good she took care of me. And then, man, my sister Amber just, uh, just coming in from the other room and she's on fire for Jesus. So, uh, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, my normal Texas dentist, Dr. Dwyer, I mean, she always does a great job, but obviously I was in Connecticut and my primary dentist is actually in Singapore and her name is Linz and uh, you won't find a better woman in this world. Thank you, Lord, godly woman. And so, but there were testimonies that came into all of that. People were receptive to hear about Jesus. I must've got out, I don't know, 25 tracks. Uh, we've written a couple different tracks here at Kingdom Discipleship and, uh, you know, we, we give them away and they talk about why we need Jesus. And, uh, I would encourage everyone to, to be giving out Christian literature. Um, so, I mean, before I get started, obviously we want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is what's going on in our country right now, which is this, uh, coronavirus or the COVID-19 and the primary question you all want to ask yourselves, all of us, as Christians and even non-Christians, everyone in the world, this day you want to ask yourself, where is Jesus in all this? 
and where do I want him to be? How much have you personally brought Jesus into this situation? How much time have you prayed and talked to him and said, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into this time in our world, not only in our country, but in our world. The Bible is clear. Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the boss of everything. Jesus Christ can cause this virus to go away in a word. But over the centuries, he's allowed these things to happen. And I won't get into deep theology, but, you know, uh, original sin when it came into the world through Adam and Eve, um, with sin came all sickness and death and difficulty. And ultimately, when sin came into the world is why we all need a savior. We all need Jesus to save us from our sin because we have a sinful nature and we do wrong things, think wrong things, and we certainly say wrong things. Me at the head of the pack. But Jesus is the boss of everything. And so how much time have you spent talking to Jesus? There are millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions around the world who've been affected by this, if not billions. Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus is the boss of this situation. And we can say with absolute certainty that above all things, Jesus wants this virus to be used to draw millions, if not billions, to him. As Christians, as those of us who've already received Jesus Christ, and those that are disciples, those who are walking somewhat diligently to know Jesus better, it's our job to consistently bring Jesus into this situation in our, in our prayers privately, in our prayers corporately, and in our witness publicly. This is a time where Jesus Christ, our Lord, needs to be magnified. As I said, he can, he can take this away in a word you remember when Jesus and there was a hurricane uh, in Galilee, on the, on the Sea of Galilee? Try to picture one of the big hurricanes we've had in Houston or in New Orleans. And Jesus said three words in the middle of the hurricane, quiet, be still. And it immediately went calm. <laughs> Try to think about that. Try to think of the magnitude of that. It said his disciples were terrified and said, who is this? In the same way, he can say to this virus in a moment, quiet, be still, and it'll end. But this virus can be used for immense, immeasurable, eternal good. And that good is that millions or billions would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they'd get saved. And then they'd go on to be his disciples. We have to get saved first. We have to become Christians and then we grow to be disciples, disciplined followers of Jesus, growing to love him, growing to experience his love and growing to increasingly obey him and repent where we fall short, growing to experience relationship and life with Jesus. That's the meaning of life. That's all that matters in life is walking with Jesus. Never in a time has there been in any of our lives, not since 9-11, has there been a time 
But 9-11 was, you know, happened in a day. This is a time where Jesus wants us to use this situation to draw millions to faith in him. That millions would be saved from hell. The Bible is clear that without Jesus Christ, no one will see heaven. It is only in the realization of our sin, as my brother Tom was telling me a few days ago, or it might have been yesterday, it's only in the realization of our sin, knowing that we are sinful, and then believing that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for us and died a perfect death for us and was raised from the dead, and by praying and saying, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. I place all my faith in you alone, Jesus. It's only in receiving Jesus that we are saved from our sin, that we come into relationship with God as our Father, and ultimately we go to heaven. And the time is now. The time is today. Obviously, if you're listening to this, and you're not sure that you've been saved, you're not sure that you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, stop the tape and pray that prayer I just said. Jesus, I, I believe that you are the Lord of heaven and earth, and I ask you to be my Lord. Jesus, please come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin. I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Pray that prayer now if you're not sure you know Jesus. And just pray it as meaningfully and thoughtfully as you can, and you'll become a Christian. God will become your heavenly Father. Jesus will be your Lord. You'll be his bride. Christians are called the bride of Christ. We'll all be part of one body. The church is the body of Christ. We're all brothers and sisters. And we need to be his instrument now his hands, his feet, and his voice now to the world and to each other. We need to invite Jesus into this moment by moment, day by day, praying, Lord Jesus, we ask you to come into this coronavirus now. Lord, we ask you to enter into it in every country in the world. Lord, above all, we pray that you would save souls from eternal damnation. We pray that billions would be saved, Lord, and come to know you as their Savior. And Lord, we pray for healing in all those that have it, spiritual healing and physical healing, Lord. We pray that you would heal our nation and heal this world, Lord. And we pray out of this that unity would come in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, I pray we'd be unified in Jesus, that there'd be a revival like we've never seen in Jesus, with Jesus at the center, and only Jesus. Father, we just love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this incredible teaching in Joseph and the timing of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we invite you into this teaching now. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us, Lord, as we study your word. Open our hearts to receive the word of God now, Lord. We commit this coronavirus into your hands, Lord Jesus. We commit our lives, our souls, our families, our world into your hands, Father. And we do pray that your kingdom would come now. And your will would be done.
on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, we're just going to try to do the first five verses. There is so much in here, there's no words. I mean, the, the depth of this text is overwhelming. Thank you again, Stephanie. Now there's, I don't know how many, probably been 50, 60, I don't know how many hours have been spent in Genesis now since you put us on this task to study Joseph. And we have been blessed in it. So, uh, you know, you never know what can come of things. You can just have a conversation with someone, a brother or sister in Christ. And, you know, Jesus said, if two or more will come together and, and they're of the same heart and the same desire, and you just bring him into it, We'll never know what could come of it. And that happened just from me and Stephanie talking in the church gym. She works there through the glass. They keep me outside the glass naturally. Actually, everybody does that. And we were just talking and she brought up Joseph and here we are. This is the third teaching on Joseph. I don't know. I don't know how many we'll do, but we're only going to do the first five verses here. So, uh. Man, these verses are incredible. Man, this this whole podcast, um, we've been doing this now, what, Stephen? Uh, what, about 16 months? Um, 15, 16 months. Miss Gwenda in Singapore. She's a younger sister, but she acts like an older sister. Kind of exhorted me to get on this. And uh, here we are, so thank you, lady. Man, I just appreciate everybody. I missed everybody while we were gone. And uh, let's get in the Word of God now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The first question we ask ourselves, we say this over and over and over when we come to the scripture, any scriptures you want to say, why is this in the Bible? Why did the Lord choose to put this in the Bible? It's not just in here to be an interesting story. You know, man, that's kind of a cool story. No. Romans 15, 4 says that everything that was written in the past is written to teach us, to instruct us, not just to tell us a story. So we want to see what does this have to teach us or instruct us? And then 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11 say that these things are written down as examples to us. So what are the examples in here for us? What do we want to learn from this? Because we know Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever, Peyton, right? And so in principle, the Lord never changes. We have different covenants and, and things like that, but in principle, uh, he doesn't change. 
Verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. How many words is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. It's eight words. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. That sets it off right there. Because right now, not only our country, but this world has been taken down to Egypt. And we are in slavery. Obviously a metaphorical slavery to this coronavirus. It has rocked our world. Incomprehensibly. And the Lord, the Lord throughout the centuries has made a habit of letting his people be taken down to Egypt, obviously in various forms. Egypt represents a difficult place. Joseph's going to be a slave and a prisoner in Egypt. Well, you know what's going to happen? On the backside of this whole thing, he's going to be used to save the known world from hunger. Think about that. He's a type and picture of Jesus Christ. Joseph is going to be used to save the entire known world from hunger. But before that can happen, he has to go to Egypt as a slave. Now, I don't know why this is. Because, you know, I frankly have not liked this coronavirus at all. Even though you just heard me say that the Lord will use this as an opportunity that millions can come to salvation. He can use this for a massive revival that the church can repent and be the kind of church that it's called to be. And so to that end, it's incredibly good, but I don't like it. Even though I know all these things, and Father, I ask you to forgive me, I, I'm, I know these things biblically. But I don't rejoice in that. And the Lord, I ask you to help us to rejoice that it's, it's in Egypt that the greatest opportunity seems to come for people to come to know you and for people to rededicate their lives to you and become genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. All of us in one way or another have been taken to Egypt because of this virus. Millions, if not billions of people, their work has been affected. Their finances have been affected. If you've gotten the virus, your health has been affected. Your freedom has been affected. You can't go where you used to go. A slave. Confined. Can't go to certain places. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Now Tom had been taken down to Egypt. Now Melanie had been taken down to Egypt. Now Matthew's been taken down to Egypt. We've all been taken to Egypt. Put your name in there. We're in Egypt right now. And you know, for some of us, it's much, much more difficult than others. And man, Lord, we just, uh, again, we just ask you to come into this and to be a part of this, Lord. Because it's hard being in Egypt for us, Lord. We don't like it. And we ask you to use this to help us to repent, Lord, of anything in our lives that we need to repent over, Lord, and that we can come out on the other side of this like Joseph, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
you remember that the teachings in the first chapter where we saw that that Joseph, before going to Egypt, was, was a young man, 17 years old. We see he was completely undiscerning. We see he, he made bad decisions. We see he was prideful. He was braggadocious. But yet there was an immense call of God on his life. And apparently, through the wisdom and will of God, he had to, he had to be taken down to Egypt before that call could be fulfilled. And I would say that that's the case in our lives today. When we're in Egypt, when we're in a time of difficulty, a time of testing, where we feel enslaved, whether it's emotionally or spiritually um, or financially, by the goodness of God, there is no slavery anymore um, physically. But it's in those times that we draw closest to him. If we'll make him a part of it, if we'll invite him in, if we'll bend the knee to Jesus, help us, Lord, soften our hard hearts that we would bend our knee to you. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. He had to go to Egypt that he might grow to be the kind of man to fulfill the call of God in his life, which, as we said earlier, was to save the known world from starvation. Quite a call of God. But we're going to find it's in Egypt that Joseph's character is going to shine. You remember he was, he was living with his fathers and his brothers and he was the last child. He was his father's favorite, but he had no authority. Didn't have a whole lot of purpose. But by the mercy of God, he was raised by godly parents. He was raised by incredibly godly parents. We actually had an observation in Bible study this morning that was interesting. And that was, we, we, we saw tremendous mistakes that Jacob made in his parenting. As far as his natural parenting. He, you know, he loved Joseph more than his other children, which obviously is wrong. And then even worse, he displayed that he loved Joseph more than them. Really helped facilitating uh, his other son's jealousy and anger and hurt and bitterness and helping Joseph be prideful. So we see that he makes natural parenting mistakes, ones that we may not even make. Very few parents that I know love one child more than the other. And even if they did, they would never show it. But now on the other hand, Jacob is a man of God like none of us have known. So Jacob is an incredible spiritual father far better than a natural father and what we talked about in bible study is that the vast majority of us as christians regrettably are far better natural parents than we are spiritual parents we care far more for the natural things in our children's lives generally than the spiritual things the biggest concern for us as parents should be that our children not only know jesus but are diligently growing disciples of Jesus, not just Christians, but actively growing disciples who are dedicating their lives to Jesus moment by moment, day by day. Now, of course, we should be good natural parents. Of course, we should raise our children, as the Bible tells us to, in the Lord and do all the things that we do for them and have the heart for them. But as Christians, we seem generally to have a much 
greater heart to see our children prosper physically than we do spiritually. We want them to prosper emotionally, it seems, more than spiritually. And Father, forgive us for that. We thank you that we can look at Jacob and see a giant in the faith, a man of God like we have never known. We thank you that Joseph was raised with godly parents. He had a godly upbringing for 17 years that when he goes into Egypt, he knows the Lord. There is nothing you can do for your children more than have them know Jesus, be raised in Jesus, and to love and obey Jesus, and to repent where they fall short and start over. That's the call of God in our lives as parents, as well as all the ways we want to see them prosper physically and emotionally and financially and et cetera, et cetera. We're in Egypt right now as a world, and we want to act like Joseph does. We're going to see in these five verses that, that we can prosper in Egypt far greater than we prospered before Egypt. Verse 1, Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. We can see God's providence in sovereignty here. God was with Joseph the entire time. He was with him when he was handed into slavery. He was with him in Egypt. And he's going to be with him when Joseph's going to be running the entire world here by the end of this story in chapter 50 of Genesis. The Lord is sovereign when we're in Egypt and he's sovereign over this crisis. Nothing can get to you save the permission of Jesus Christ. And if it has gotten to you, it's gotten to you for your good. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, Romans 8, 28, that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We get that verse from chapter 50 of Genesis, from Joseph. When Joseph tells his brother, what you intended for evil, God used for good. God is wanting to use this time in our world for good. Wherever you are in the world today, if you're in America, if you're in Singapore, if you're in Europe, if you're in Africa, if you're in Australia, if you're in Asia, if you're in South America, what I miss? If you're in Antarctica, I think that's all of them. The Lord wants to use this for your good, this coronavirus, but you have to bring him in. Jesus won't force himself on you. You got to bring him in. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to come in right now. Jesus, I do ask you to come in in a meaningful way. You know, when you listen to the news, they consistently say things, good things, like we're going to get through this, and we are. And we're going to come together as a nation and as a world, and we're going to fight this, and we're going to beat this, and the scientists are going to help, and all that's true. But none of that happens without Jesus. The reason we're going to get through this before all those things, above all those things, and in spite of all those things, is Jesus. We are going to come together as a nation, but first we need Jesus. Because Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. Nothing we do will have success without Jesus and his blessing and his mercy. 
Jesus needs to be at the beginning. Jesus needs to be at the end. And when this is all over, we need to say, thank you, Jesus. As we're in this now, we need to say, thank you, Jesus. So yes, we will bind together as a country and as a world and as humanity and as, as a people, but it has to be in Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus, and to Jesus only. And if we will do that as a church and as a world, we will see a blessing we have never seen. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has promised for those who love him. What's that? Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, maybe 10, 11. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We see the sovereignty of God. Potiphar buys him. Potiphar is the captain of the guard. Think about that. Not just the regular army. He's the captain of the guard. Potiphar is like, I don't even know what you'd say. The captain of the Green Beret, the captain of the Navy SEALs, the captain of, the, of, of every country has an elite army unit. Potiphar's the captain of that. Pretty serious man. Pretty important man. And this is where Joseph is taken by the sovereignty of God. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. If you're in Jesus Christ today, if you've received him as your Savior, and you know him as your only Lord and Savior, then the Lord is with you, and you can put your name in there. The Lord is with Jose. The Lord is with Josh. The Lord is with Stephen, and Kayla, and Mel, and Jordan, and Amber, and Margaret. The Lord is with Gwenda and Omella, and May, and Learn, and Hannah, and Martin, and Peggy, Lori, and Keith, Tom, and Christy. Put your name in there. The Lord was with Joseph. If you're in Jesus Christ, the Lord is with you. But there's a principle that's in here that cannot be overstated. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Verse 3, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. The reason Joseph prospers we're going to learn in this chapter and in the remainder of the next 10, 12 chapters is because not only was the Lord with Joseph, but Joseph was with the Lord. And what do I mean by that? I said, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've invited him into your heart and prayed and asked him to be your Savior and Lord with a realization that you need him to forgive you of your sin, then the Lord is with you. But are you with him? There's a difference between being saved and being blessed. Think about that statement. There is a difference between being saved and being blessed. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've genuinely trusted him 
to be the savior of your soul for the forgiveness of your sins, then you're saved. Your sins are forgiven. God is your father and you will go to heaven when you die. But there's a difference between being saved and being blessed. The Lord is with you if you're saved. But if you're not with him, if you don't make an effort to walk with him, if you don't make an effort to be devoted to him, if you don't make an effort to live for him, then he is with you, but you will not experience him in the same way. The Lord loves you unconditionally, but experiencing that love, feeling that love, knowing that love, walking in that love is different than having it. The Lord loves you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to get the Lord to love you more. But don't you want to experience his love, walk in his love, know his love? We said this morning in Bible study, all the, all the men in this Bible study have sons. And they all love these sons unconditionally. And they're all actually quite young children. But they all confessed, although they love their sons unconditionally, like our Heavenly Father loves us, their sons don't always feel that way. They don't always experience that love because when they're disobedient and when they're not behaving, the men in this Bible study discipline their sons. And in that time, their sons don't feel very loved, but they're completely loved. As a matter of fact, these fathers are disciplining them out of love, but the children don't feel loved at the time at all. But when they behave, they do feel the love of their father. So again, I want to make this clear. Your heavenly father never loves you more or less. He loves you completely, unconditionally, and totally. Not because of you, but in spite of you. That's what agape love is. But how you experience that love depends on you. The more you make an effort to walk with him and talk with him and pray with him. I'm not saying from a religious point of view. But if, if you want to know Jesus, you got to spend time with him, right? Any relationship we have, if we want it to grow, we have to spend time in that relationship. And it's the same with our relationship with God. If you want to experience his love and his blessing, you have to spend time with him. You want to walk with him and talk with him and pray with him and sing with him and spend time with other believers Spend time in encouraging those who aren't believers to become believers. Spend time above all in the word of God in your Bible. And you know what? Spend time obeying him and doing what the Bible says and, and spend time repenting. I told my boy Gabriel the other day that the strongest tool in our toolbox as Christians is to repent. Is to simply say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've messed it up. This has nothing to do with being saved. You're saved by trusting in Jesus as your savior. But as Christians, we make mistakes, right, Gabe? I know I do. And when we make mistakes, we, we repent. We ask Jesus to forgive us. And if we've hurt other people, we ask them to forgive us. And you know what? When we do that, our Lord is never as close to us as when we repent. You remember in uh, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, Jesus is talking to the seven churches. He's talking to churches now like us. This is the risen Christ. 
60 years, 70 years after his uh, resurrection. And the theme of these books is to repent, repent, repent. And he's talking to Christians. Because when we repent, we start to experience that love again. We start to experience his favor and his blessing again. Again, the love never left. But sometimes I just don't feel the love of God. I don't know about y'all. Sometimes all I feel is Egypt. But as we're going to see here, we can prosper in Egypt. We can prosper in difficulty far more than we did even when we didn't have any. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. If you want to prosper, start walking with Jesus more intimately, more diligently. Start growing and maturing in your devotional life. Start spending time with believers in Christ, in church and out of church. Start spending more time in your Bible, in the Word of God, and in prayer, and in song, in worship, in praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's a difference between being saved and being blessed. You don't just want to be saved. You want to be blessed, Lord. And Lord, do I want to be blessed. Help us, Lord Jesus. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. What was that like? Egypt at this time is by far, by far the most powerful country in the world. At this time, Egypt has immense more power than the United States does. Egypt has the greatest of everything in the way of uh, scientific understanding. Remember, they were building these pyramids. We can't even figure out how. Egypt was so far advanced in everything, except that they were completely spiritually dead. They were immoral in every way. They had false gods in everything. Joseph comes out of a place with immense spiritual blessing, but they probably lived in tents when he was living with his father, if not certainly, and with his brothers. Now he lives in the house, not a tent, of the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, one of Pharaoh's officials. Think about that. It's going to go on to say that Joseph is going to become the head of that whole house, the boss of that whole compound. Joseph's situation, now we're not told how much time has passed, but it says that his master takes notice of Joseph, and we're going to talk about that. When Joseph lives for the Lord in Egypt, the blessing of the Lord is going to come on him so that his circumstances in Egypt are far better than they ever were. His father and brother still living in tents, sleeping outside, eating who knows what. Joseph is now eating the finest food in the world. He's exposed to the greatest intellect of the world. Pretty good situation Joseph's in now, and yet he's still a slave. But yet he's living in the house of the captain of the guard, running that entire house. It says in verse 6 that Potiphar doesn't concern himself with anything but what he puts in his mouth. He has so much confidence in Joseph. And Potiphar don't even know the Lord. And we're going to talk about that. The point of this is, what we learn from this, the example to us in this, is that when we're in Egypt, 
the Lord can prosper us. We see through this whole thing that the Lord is the boss of everything. They have no idea who the Lord is in Egypt right now. In Joseph's time, they have no idea. They don't know the Lord at all. But yet the Lord is still the boss over everything. The Lord still blesses Potiphar. God is the God of this world. Jesus is God, whether you know him or not. Jesus is in charge of your life, whether you know it or not. Now, he'll, he gave you a free will and he'll let you use it. But believe me, Jesus is in charge, whether we know it or not. This teaches us clearly in principle. And the scriptures say that. In uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Think about that statement. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Quite a statement, right? Think about the magnitude of that statement. <laughs> wow. Did he just say he's the boss of everything in heaven and on earth? It's pretty serious. The Lord is the boss of everything. Potiphar doesn't know him, but he's being blessed by a Lord that he doesn't know. And that's a separate point in itself. Verse 3. When his master saw that the Lord was with him. Potiphar has eyes to see that the Lord is with Joseph and he don't even know the Lord. Do we live in such a way that the world can see that the Lord is with us? Do we speak in such a way that people can see the Lord is with us? I spoke to a lady, Trisha, I think. Uh, we met in Dunkin' Donuts, and she had said that her church had been encouraging her to stop talking the talk, but walk the walk. It was a divine appointment in Dunkin' Donuts, and she, we prayed together, and she left weeping and encouraged. Because this was a lady who I walked in, I said, you're being blessed. She said, I know Jesus is my Savior. <laughs> That's what she said. I said, well, thank you, Jesus. Are you being blessed? And then she started giving me this testimony how she was struggling with different areas of her life and church members have been telling her to stop talking to talk and walk to walk. Maybe the worst advice we could ever give someone. Never do we tell someone to stop talking about Jesus and start walking with Jesus. Definitely, we want to encourage someone in their walk with Jesus. Don't stop talking to talk. Keep doing it. But you know what? Start walking the walk a little more. I said, Trisha, you and me need to keep talking about Jesus. But you know what? There's some things we need to repent over and do better. Do not ever stop talking about Jesus. Matter of fact, one of the most important parts of your walk with Jesus is your willingness to talk with Jesus and to talk about Jesus. That's clear in the scriptures. Do you consistently bring Jesus up? We should literally bring Jesus into every situation. Every single situation in our lives is going to be better off with some Jesus, right? And more Jesus. This coronavirus is going to be better if we bring Jesus in it. Your life, your problems will be better if we bring Jesus into it. So if you're talking to talk about Jesus... You know, we don't have to do it. We get to do it. God doesn't love you more because you talk about Jesus. 
But of course he's pleased when you bring Jesus up. You don't want to do it to score points. You don't want to do it to look religious. You don't want to do it to show people I'm this super Christian. You want to repent if that's your heart in it. But keep doing it. Keep talking the talk. Never stop talking about Jesus. People have misused this statement of Francis of Assisi now for probably a hundred years. You know, when you see someone uh, talk about Jesus and if necessary, use words. You have to use words. No one ever got saved without words. It's the gospel that brings salvation to all men and women. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And that has to be spoken, right? Romans 10, 11 through 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless someone speaks to them? We have to speak the gospel. They have to hear it. They have to believe it. And then they call on Jesus to save them from their sin and be the Lord of their life. Keep talking the talk. Keep bringing up Jesus in every situation. Not for religion, but because it's your heart. Because you want Jesus in the situation Whatever the situation is, good or bad. And if your walk is not up to your talk, then you know what? Repent. And whatever areas your walk is behind, repent. And start walking with Jesus a little more as you're talking with Jesus. And for much of the church, if your walk is your head of your talk, then maybe you need to bring your talk up a little bit. There's a lot of people who just want to walk with Jesus and never talk about him. Never bring him up. That's not the will of God either. For many of us, we need to increase our, certainly our talk and our walk. But whatever one's behind, Trisha, good job that you're talking to talk. Just bless me. And you know what, Trisha? If you don't talk the talk, if you don't willingly say, Jesus is the Lord of my life, you and I never have that divine appointment. That divine appointment happened, lady, because you talked the talk. Don't ever stop doing it. Do it more. If we need to, to fine-tune our talk, if we have edges, as I certainly do, if, uh, if we have areas where we just need to get better, we repent. And if we need to start walking the walk a little more, we repent as well. It's not either or, it's both and. We want to continue to grow and mature in talking the talk about Jesus with the right heart and walking the walk with Jesus, being devoted to him, loving him, loving others as we love ourselves. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, do you have eyes that see when the Lord is with somebody? Do you see when the Lord's with somebody? Can you tell when the Lord is with somebody? Just a quick principle. One of the quick ways to see that the Lord is truly with somebody is they talk about him. They can't help talking about Jesus and bringing him up. Now, maybe there's someone that does talk about Jesus, but you can just see the countenance of Christ on them. And you can see the love of Christ. And you can see the love in their heart. And they bring out that love. When his master saw that the Lord is with him, the Lord is not with anyone. For the Lord to be with you, Number one, you have to know Christ, okay? Above all things, the Lord is with you if you know Christ. But again, the Lord will prosper you 
And he'll prosper people around you, as you can see in this text. If you walk with him, if you have a devotional life with him, if you have a growing relationship with him, if you repent of the areas where you make mistakes. You know, Jesus is not overwhelmed that you sin and make mistakes. He just wants you to repent, to call the truth the truth, and to repent. Help us, Lord Jesus, to repent. And the other way to know that the Lord is with somebody is they not only magnify Jesus, but they magnify the Bible. If you see those two things in somebody, you know what? Not only is the Lord with them as their Savior, but if someone is excited and talking about the Word of God and talking about Jesus, yeah, maybe they need to live it more. Maybe they're not perfectly articulate. But those are the two things you ought to have in your life and people ought to see. They ought to see you talking about Jesus and talking about his word. If you spend your life talking about Jesus in the Bible, you will be blessed. James promises that. Now, obviously, we have to live it as well, right? James says, just don't look at the word, but obey it. Do what it says, right? When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Wow. If you will walk with Jesus, you can find success in everything in Egypt. Remember, he's in slavery. He's a slave and he has success in everything he did. And everybody in the house is blessed because of him. You have the power to walk with Jesus so intimately that the blessing of the Lord will start falling off on everybody around you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to be these kind of people. Golly, help us to be the kind of people that walk with you so intimately that not only do we know you, not only do you give us success, not only do we have success in Egypt in difficult circumstances, but the blessing falls on everybody else in Egypt. That's how you want to walk through this coronavirus. Lord, I need a lot of help because I, I don't live like Joseph, unfortunately, most of the time, but I want to. I want to, Lord. We're in Egypt in this world right now. And let's be Christians that walk so intimately with the Lord, that talk publicly about him, that, that talk about the necessity of bringing Jesus into everything, not just the church, but the world. And man, we'll see the blessing on everything. Even while we're in Egypt, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Verse 4, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Why? When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Verse 3, that's verse 3. If you will walk with the Lord in a devoted way and just start little by little, do a little bit today that you didn't do yesterday. Read a chapter of your Bible. Just come to him and repent over some areas that are out of place. And you'll begin this road of walking with the Lord. And look at the Lord can give people eyes to see the blessing on your life. And they don't even have to be believers. Potiphar's not even a believer and he has eyes that see. The Lord gives Potiphar eyes that see. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Put your name in there. You can find favor in Egypt. You can find favor in slavery. You can find favor in difficulty.
if we will bend the knee to Jesus and begin to live for him. Help us, Lord Jesus, to live for you and to walk with you and to talk with you, Lord, and to talk for you and to walk for you, to talk the talk, to walk the walk. Help us, Lord, that it would be us. That it would say Jimmy found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Munden found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Dustin found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Verse 4, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Listen to that. Everything he owned was under Joseph. Can you can just, just think about the magnitude of that? This man is one of the officials of Pharaoh, the captain of his guard, one of the richest people in the world. And everything he has is entrusted to Joseph. Joseph is the boss over the whole household. And in a few chapters, he's going to be the boss over the entire known world, over all of Egypt. And that's going to be by extension when there's a famine in the world. Joseph's going to be relied on to, to distribute the food that he had the wisdom to store up. Wow. I'll say again, it's as clear as day. We want to be a, a man or a woman like Joseph. And we'll find favor in the eyes. The Lord will cause us to find favor and we'll become the attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. The more faithful you are in the Lord, the Lord will put you in charge. And if you're in charge of something now, you need to be in charge in the fear of God. It doesn't matter you're a boss at work, a pastor at a church. You want to do these things in the fear of God. And we're going to see that in, as this chapter moves on in the next five verses after this, 6 through 10, where Joseph is going to be tempted in adultery, but he's going to run away by the mercy of God. Thank you, Lord. Joseph was in charge of nothing two chapters ago. He was the youngest son. He really had no authority over anyone. Now he's in charge of all that this official has. Verse 5, from the time he put him in charge of his household... And of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph, because of Gwenda, because of May, because of Mandy, because of Omella, because of Tom, because of Stephen. Is that what's happening in your life? From the time he put him in charge, you know, sometimes we pray for promotion. And when we get it, how do we do when we're in charge? If you're in charge of something and you're listening to this, again, you want to be in charge in the fear of God. Sometimes we said in Bible study, we can get prideful. We want to grab control. If the Lord has put you in charge of something, are you managing that charge in the fear of God as Jesus would have you to? Because he's your master and my master and we'll be accountable to him and are accountable to him, and we will give an account to him when we leave this life. From the time he put him in charge. He's in Egypt, and he's in charge. 
Back in Israel, he wasn't in charge of nothing. Now he's in charge because of his faithfulness to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, you got to imagine that Potiphar's assets are material, substantial. The Lord blessed the household. When did the, when did the Lord bless the household of Potiphar? From the time he put Joseph in charge. If, you, if you're in a position of authority and you, you have the position where you put people in charge, what do you look for before you put people in charge? Do you look for the blessing of the Lord on their lives? Do you look for how they walk with Jesus? Do you look for the character they have in Christ? Who do you put in charge? A man named Gerald writes a, uh, uh, he's an extremely smart man, has his PhD in physics. I don't even know how you do that, but uh, he writes a, he writes very articulately and adroitly on this subject. He taught me that word. Adroitly means very, very, very good. Um, it's a new word to me. Um, but on this subject of who do we put in charge in the workplace, it says from the time he put him in charge, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Who do you have in charge in your workplace? Who do you put in charge in your family? When you see someone walking with the Lord, when you see someone obeying the Lord, when you see someone as a disciple of Jesus Christ, these are the people we want to put in charge. Oftentimes in our churches today, someone can come in. They can perhaps have money. They can have, they can have worldly standing. They can have big jobs in the world. And we'll just automatically put them in charge in the church. And it's a tremendous failure we have. It would be better to put the janitor in charge. It would be better to put whoever you want to say in charge. If they are walking more closely and intimately with the Lord. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And again, what or who in this world is blessed because of you? What is blessed because of you, Bob? What is blessed or who is blessed because of you, May? Mama, Papa, what is blessed because of you? Learn, what's blessed because of you? Linz, what's blessed because of you? Amber, what's blessed because of you? Margaret, what's blessed because of you? The Lord blessed the house of the, of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Is your household blessed because of you? Is your workplace blessed because of you? Start living for the Lord today. Just repent of areas. Sometimes we go to work and it's hard and just, man, it's, and regrettably we act the same way the world does at our jobs. Not Amber at the dentist's office, I know that. Thank you, Lord. 
You have the power to be a blessing to everything around you. Everything and everyone around you because of Joseph, because of you. If we will live in Christ and live for Christ and love for Christ and give for Christ and forgive for Christ. Last verse. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Think about the magnitude of that. The Lord will bless everything in your house and everything outside your house. Just pretty much everywhere you go, the blessing of the Lord will be falling off, to, off of you and on to others. We ask why this is in the Bible, and this is in the Bible, so that we can live in this way while we're in Egypt. And this whole world is in the Egypt of coronavirus right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for, for Joseph, Lord, who, who didn't have very good qualities, but who grew to be a tremendous man of God. And he did that in Egypt. And we ask you to help us, Lord, in this universal Egypt of coronavirus. We ask you to help us. And then in all the private Egypts of our lives, in all of our difficulties, in all of our pain, in all of our sickness, in all of our fear, and all of our frustration and bitterness and hurt and unforgiveness, Lord. We ask you to come to you to lay our burdens at your feet, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to walk with you and to talk with you and to live for you and to love for you and to give for you and to forgive for you. Lord, please bless our nation. Bless this world. Bless millions and billions of people, Lord, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and live for him, Lord, that we might know not only your salvation, but your favor and your blessing on every aspect of our lives, be it spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you for your word. Go ahead of us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.